is the Valiant Central Podcast with just me, Martin. Dewan and Travis are not here once again because I snuck in a little interview. This week on the episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with uh, Robert Myers, who of course is in charge of editorial over at Valiant. Uh, we had a great conversation. Of course, we had to talk about his origin story because Robert is a longtime Valiant fan and he's been the company for years. And... uh yeah, there may be some hints as to what's coming up. We definitely talk Valiant 2020, maybe even beyond stuff that's been announced. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Robert, a pleasure having you on. I don't think you've never been on the show. Uh, I uh, I don't think so. No. Shame on you. Thanks for having me. Sh- shame on Greg. Shame on Greg. I'm just <laughs> I've been here. <laughs> that's true. Uh, actually, I met you at uh, at C2E2 like four years ago, maybe three years ago. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it's good to have you on the on the show and talk kind of on the record. Um, yeah, for sure. I know you've you've worn many hats at Valiant. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do now on a day to day basis? Day to day now is I run the editorial department. Um, I work closely with Brad, our publisher, Matthew, and uh, uh, Peter Stern from uh, our trade and uh, sales side. Uh, as well as Greg for marketing to, you know, build our publishing plan for the next 18 to 24 months. And then I, I make sure my editor, editorial team, all the editors in the office have all the tools they need to, uh, to make great books. Um, and then I have a couple of books that I'm, you know, very hands on with that are my kind of personal project, not personal project, but the books that I'm the, the lead editor on. Uh, and then, you know, a, a big one of the biggest pieces of, of my day to day is our talent management piece. Um, so making sure that our our creators are all taken care of, make sure they have everything they need, um, be it everything from comps to you know making sure payments to uh, if you know, people still we still ship out uh, boards for people to draw on. Um, so it's all that stuff, and then I you know I I I pitch in wherever needs be. So I mean you know. A day doesn't go by where people won't find me, you know, packing a box or, you know, we, we sit and brainstorm all kinds of marketing stuff. Um, uh, one of my favorite things that I get to do is also talking to retailers at all the shows we go to or that I go to. Um, so that's a big piece of it is, is maintaining that relationship and having kind of an open door into editorial from, um, from the outside as well as inside. Very good. I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the talent aspect because uh, I, I talked to Lisa about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, but before we mm-hmm. get to that, uh, you, you're kind of, uh, you're one of us. You're, you're a long-time yeah, Valiant yeah. fan. I am. I am. I, uh, I think my first Valiant book that I really jumped into, uh, was Archer and Armstrong, uh, back in the day. Uh, I worked at a comic shop when I was, uh, I don't know, 15. Um, and I worked there for a few years all during that heyday, uh, you know, I, I was the I was one of those guys hunting out uh, you know the Solar Black cover and and uh, when Harbinger you know really took off um, one the the manager in the shop actually had a stash of Harbinger number ones that he he had hidden away uh, so I wheeled I, I kind of wheedled one of those out of him back then um, and then sold it uh, <laughs> but uh, yes yeah, I've been I've been reading and selling Valiant uh, from day one basically M- maybe day three. <laughs> Day three. How, how does it feel to uh, to be in a job that's so? I mean, it's it's got to be a dream, right? Like you grew up reading these books, and now you're you're the guy in charge of editorial. 
It's it's completely a dream. Uh, you know, I moved to New York seven years ago for graduate school. Uh, had no no idea that I would be working here seven years later, uh, and I've been working here basically for seven years. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a total dream. Uh, I'm still baffled some days. This is what I get to do every day, um, and it's an honor. Uh, you know, I love these characters. We're constantly standing on the shoulders of giants, as they say. Um, you know, just being able to sit and talk with Bob Layton at New York Comic Con this year, um, being able to to get on the phone with Don Perlin to talk Bloodshot, uh, you know, Kevin Van Hook, and all the other classic creators that I've gotten to know, and you know, Bob Hall's working on a cover for me right now, uh, has just been an, an, an honor. Um, and then getting to work with you know with everybody here from 2013 on, um, it's it's been fun building this thing from. You know, I started in 2013 as an intern. Uh, in January, so I've been here. You know, I came in basically the middle of year one uh, of of the relaunch, and so being here and helping to to build this thing out to, to where we are now has just been uh, it's been great. That's exciting. A lot of hard work, a lot of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but a lot of fun. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Uh, were you a little? I, I don't know what the word I want to use, but when when you were placed in charge of editorial, uh, that's got to be. A big weight on your shoulders, uh, and I'm curious because you're you're kind of behind the scenes uh, for the most part. Um, how how have you been able to get into that role? How 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 has that affected you? Um, I mean, gosh, it, part of it is is I've been here, so I know how we do things. I know these characters fairly well, so that that piece of it wasn't uh, as long as I didn't think too hard about it. wasn't too daunting. Um, but the other half of that is we've got a great team here. Uh, we really all pull together. Um, we rely on each other. We fill in gaps in knowledge, as it were. Uh, and then I have, you know, I have five great uh, editors who work work for me here that that I trust them. Um, you know, I trust their instincts. Uh, you know, Fred's been in the business for 30 years, uh, as he likes to remind us often. <laughs> um, I'm sure he does. <laughs> Uh, in both uh, in both a, a, a supportive and a cranky pants way. Yes. Uh, but uh, uh, so, you know, there are moments where, sure, you sit down and you're like, I, ca- I can't do this. It's not, what am I doing? And then you think, no, wait a minute. I've got all the tools. I've got all the resources. And, and I'm, you know, just from my personal background, I'm not afraid to ask for help. I'm not afraid to reach out. And, and I'm not afraid to delegate either. Like, if there's something I know that I'm not the best fit for, I can find someone who is. Very good. So I think, of, yeah. So, it, you know, Sure, it's a lot of work, uh, but it's 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 fun. Oh, I bet, I bet, I can imagine. Um, how how involved are you with uh, with talent acquisition? I'm curious, or do you leave that more to some of the other editors as they're bringing in new books and pitching new ideas? Um, I'm I'm very much involved with it, uh, but we all and the, but also you know part of the reason when when we bring people on is is. We're looking for people who can reach out to creators that, that you know people in the room don't have contact with. So you know, bringing someone like Lisa Hawkins on uh, almost two years ago now, um, bringing Lisa on, she's got you know a Rolodex that goes back to the 90s when she was working at Marvel. Uh, bringing on on Heather, who's more you know, more more modern Rolodex, uh, has been you know hugely beneficial for us. Uh, you know, Greg Tamborello has been working more on, on on sort of the indie side, so bringing um, bringing creators that he knows, uh, and then just all the people I've met and and worked with and want to work with. It's it's really just as much as as either picking up the phone or finding an email or re- re- going to a show and just making that connection. 
I'm, I'm curious in terms of bringing in new talent, uh, and, and Lisa and I got into this a little bit. Um, what what is it that you guys look for in terms of the type of talent that you're bringing into the books? And, and what I mean by that is, for example, a company like Aftershock uh, purposely goes after big name creators uh, to try to bring mm-hmm. in their small projects just to get kind of some buzz around having a big name around. Um, obviously, you mm-hmm. guys are trying many different things, uh, like the Quantum and Woody team. I would say those guys have a very rabid fan base, uh, but they're not yeah. as big a name as, say, like a Paul Levitz, right? Uh, so I'm curious right. yeah. how, how you guys fit those f- – find the right fit for people in, in the, the books that you're trying to bring out. I think first and foremost is we look for uh, fantastic storytellers, uh, regardless of, of, of you know name or brand. Um, it's really about uh, who is the best per- person to tell the story, who has the best story to tell. Then it's then we layer on things like you know one of my things that I love doing is bringing on, on newer talent, people we can work with, people we can build, uh, people who can jump in the universe really aggressively and and, and help us help us you know, build out this project, uh, as well as people who like like Dan Abnett, who is mm-hmm. you know a, a well known name, uh, um, you know an incredible storyteller. Uh, you know when we were when we were putting together Fallen World and Rye, we wanted someone who could do world building, and that's one of the things that Dan does best. Um, you know, and then we look. You know, there's always moments where you want to find creators like like Hastings and, and Brett Ryan Brown on Quantum and Woody that have their own rapid fan base and that are going to help us promote the book um, to those folks. Uh, so it's all it's all piece of the puzzle, but the number one thing is is we're looking for fantastic storytellers. Okay. Uh, do you feel like? Maybe you need to bring some of that talent as you launch into Valiant 2020. Um, have you guys thought about tapping anyone that you guys have worked with previously, or are you constantly looking for the new talent? No, we're, we're there's no uh, we're looking to work with anybody and everyone um, whenever anybody is is available. Uh, big, a biggest piece of this puzzle is. Um, you know, comic book scheduling is often you know, years out. So right. things that things that we think are happening right now actually either already happened uh, and have just been in production, or or you know, and the creators now working on you know the next chunk of their of their books, uh, or it, sometimes it happens real fast. So and you got to get something up and running. You need someone who can do it quickly. Um, so it's it's really uh, it's both. Again, I'm. I'm trying to answer as, as on point, but there really is no one answer. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's you know, without get, giving away all the things that we haven't announced yet, uh, we have a really nice mix of uh, you know new talent as well as some some old hands, some not old hands, but some some established stars, uh, real stars who are who are going to be telling stories. Some people who are already working with us, just working on on different projects than you may expect. Um, and and some other again some new folks as well as some some established people. You know, we're constantly having conversations with people who may not be able to work with us right now either for scheduling or for contract issues, but we still have conversations with them. Make sure you know the door is always open. And you also have guys coming in doing different stuff like uh, Alejandro working on Doctor Tomorrow. Uh, exactly, and so that's, you know that's that's a, just one of the one of my. One of the things that's just so much fun is is when almost a project happens accidentally. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so this year, you guys have done a lot of stuff with. Uh, before I get to that, what what would you consider the the core pillars, the tent poles of the Valiant universe? Sure, I mean uh, Bloodshot 
uh, Exo Manowar, um, you know, then Eternal Warrior, Archer and Armstrong, uh, Ninjak, Shadowman. I think those are kind of our core. I'm forgetting someone. Um, but I would oh Harbinger, sorry Harbinger. Uh, that's the those are the the kind of the the, the six pillars or seven pillars um, that we try to have uh, at least two of those going all the time uh, to help us build out from. Um, some of that's a matter of uh, you know scheduling. Some of it's a matter of the right story to tell in the right moment. But those are I think those are our core characters. So so that leads into the next question, which is in this past year, you guys have done a lot of work with uh what some folks call like bench characters, B characters. Uh you know, you sure, you brought, yeah. brought in Roku, um you have uh you know brand new series with like Killers for example, KS six. Uh and I'm I'm curious what what was the, the, the rationale behind putting some of the main characters sort of on the back burner uh and bringing in these mm-hmm. these characters that are adjacent to those parts of the universe. Yeah, it was. It's a it's a handful of things. Um, you know, some of it was, you know, what stories did we want to tell this year? What was the, you know, what characters really rang out uh, in the creators' ears? Who who did they want to play with? Um, the next piece of that is, you know, we have a very small, very tight publishing line. Mm-hmm. Really, six to eight books a month. Um, we can't have every single character on the board. If we can't have six ongoings a month. We wouldn't be able to do anything else. So it's. It's finding the natural resting spot for the you know the main the sort of the pillar characters, and then what characters can we layer on? What stories can we tell that are smaller, that are mini series, that are uh, maxi series, that kind of thing. Um, so, and then there's a piece of it which is just pure you know sales data that we look at month in month out that we analyze you know 18 different ways, um, and it's finding you know we know what months we launch best in, so we sometimes we need to hold a book. So that we can put it in the month we know it'll have the best chance to succeed. Right. Uh, and we know, um, you know, we also know how much space we need to give between series to to let uh, to let the series the story we've just told breathe and let it resonate in the universe and build that anticipation for the next story. Uh, so you you see as you know we've done that I think we've done that pretty successfully in the last seven years um, finding those natural moments and and waiting till anticipation is just right. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that makes sense. And, and in some respects, it's nice to have not the same core group of books also, right? I know folks maybe want to yeah. see Exo and Harbinger all the time. And I love Exo. Exo is my favorite Valiant character. Uh, but I'm okay with waiting a little while if we're going to have a new direction, a new team coming on. And I know that that's going to be coming, but, uh, yeah. you know, th- then you have the chance to do a book like KI6 that like really took me by surprise. Um, because it's, yeah, that was a fun project. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, we, we actually haven't talked about it on the show yet. We've been saying we're going to talk about it for weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it must be really difficult to have such a large, large cast of characters. I mean, you guys have property for what, like three, three, 400 characters at least. And, uh, and to only be able to put out six, seven, eight books, uh, there's always mm-hmm. going to be, uh, some some tug and pull from your hardcore base, for example, right? Because some of the books will do well yeah, regardless, sure. right? Well, number ones will always do pretty well. Uh, the problem right. is, where do you go beyond that? Mm-hmm. So no, how do you? That, and that's where. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was saying, how, how do you guys figure out what will appeal to more than just the h- hardcore fan base? 
Um, market research, uh, literally talking to stores day in, day out, going to shows, finding what people are, are looking at, um, looking at what's successful. Uh, and then from me, a lot of what I do from where I sit is, uh, we just had a meeting about this this morning, is what genres aren't we playing with in this moment? What genres can we do? And then, not to, not to give away all the secrets, but really, like, what stories can we tell that Marvel and DC won't? or mm -hmm. can't tell, because that's the, the beauty of, of Valiant, is we can tell stories that other people either can't or won't. Um, so we look at all of those things, and we look at, you know, who's available, what characters haven't we used. Um, 20, uh, this is 2019. Uh, 2019 was very much <laughs> about... Uh, I'm already talking about 2021 uh, publishing plans, so forgive me. Um, I live in three timelines usually at once. There's the real timeline, the previews catalog, and you know next year's publishing line. Um, you know, but we really wanted to get some new pieces on the board uh, to play with while we were getting the tentpole characters uh, up and running and and uh, letting that anticipation build to to a fever pitch. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's it's, that makes it's sense. a it's a it's a great big tapestry that we're we're constantly you know weaving and we're constantly keeping an eye on the whole thing. Uh, and then it's a bit of a juggling act, uh, mixing metaphors like nobody's business, and and uh, yeah, uh, but it really is, a, you know, it's a juggling act. We we got to figure out all the right pieces all the right time, and and you know, not every single book has to be for every single fan, but I want a book for every fan. If that makes sense, I want I want there to be a fan for every book. Right, right. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, I, I will tell you for my personal preference, uh, obviously horror is is my jam. And, uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's a little bit of that in, in Dr. Mirage, mostly magical stuff. Um, but I would love to see right. more horror explode, uh, explored. I know that horror books maybe don't tend to do as well as, uh, your, your standard superhero book. Uh, but there's definitely a market there. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you, I, I try to pitch this, I, I try to pitch this to every comic person I ever meet at a con. Um, and, and everyone always tells me, well, nobody buys those, but anthology books, just, just for the record are amazing. Yeah. At and, and there's a huge market for them out there. It's, it's interesting. That's really where, uh, the Kickstarter success is. Yes. Um, I, I look a lot and I talk to a lot of people who work and build those books. Uh, anthologies don't sell. That doesn't mean we can't do one. Uh, it just has to be the right time, uh, and that is, is a piece of the puzzle that we're looking at for uh, either next year or the year after, um, is how do we build that in. A piece of that is, you know, we need um, the other books to be stable and up and running and doing well, right. uh, and, then we can start, and then we can start experimenting, and then we can start taking even more risks. You know, a lot of the stuff we did this last year was risky, but it was, uh, it was worth it. Yeah. So it's, it's about building that success. Yeah, and, and to circle back to your... Your first point, uh, April and May are going to be a lot of fun for you. I like April and May. I can't wait. I like the hint. Um, yeah, yeah. When, uh, usually when I, when I bring up, uh, anthologies, I think most people are used to something like, uh, House of Secrets or a book like that. That's a monthly thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's, there's definitely ways of doing it where you're, you're not impacting the bottom line very heavily if the book doesn't do as well. Um, Yep. Uh, again, to bring up Aftershock, because I love that company also, uh, you know, they do like yeah, one book a year that's an anthology book, uh, like an oversized hardcover. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they do well. And it's, it's amazing to see stuff in there because you do have creators that, uh, wouldn't have a chance to tell a particular story elsewhere, especially in, in a short format like that, you know? 
Yeah, it's it's there's two things you can or there's more than two things you can do, but one of the things my favorite things with anthologies is you can work with people that you wouldn't be able to work with normally. And that means I can bring in someone raw or brand new, um, you know, who just to give them a shot. Mm-hmm. But I can also find like, you know, your big name talent who can't commit to a full issue or can't commit to twelve uh issues, but could do ten pages. Uh, especially if they have six months to do it, right? We can build that into their schedule. Um, so that's that's where piece I love. I love to do a quarterly anthology, really. Mm. Um, you know, part of the reason I love anthologies is you know I'm an old Dark Horse presents reader. Like we wouldn't have Sin City without an, an anthology book, right? Cool, I like it. Uh, let's uh, let's dive into 2020 because that's uh, right around the corner. So yeah. there's I'm a get Greg out so I can speak. <laughs> You, uh, you guys already announced a couple books that I'm very excited for. So, Dr. Tomorrow and Quantum and Woody. Uh, both look really great. Uh, I'm curious what the decision was on bringing Dr. Tomorrow. Because that is not a character that I expected to see before some of the other ones, for example. Uh, it was honestly, it was uh, just a really happy accident. Um, it's funny, the story is actually becoming kind of. Uh, urban legend at this point. Um, Alejandro, Alejandro and I are good friends. Uh, from when he worked here, we've stayed friends since, since he left Valiant. Um, you know, we, he comes over, we barbecue, we, we go see movies, we watch wrestling together. Um, we go to wrestling together. Heck. Nice. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's one of my close friends. And so we had, I was taking a, a day off because of, I'd been, I'd gone to a show and I was taking a day off. So I was like, Hey man, I got a weekday off. Do you want to go get lunch? So we were just, Shooting the shit. I, we're just over a bowl of ramen, eating eating lunch, and he was like, "Well, what do you want to do? Like, what's the one thing?" And I was like, "I really want a book that can fulfill a few things." Um, and for me, that was a book that I could give to any Valiant fan out there, uh, any new fan. But I also want a book that we could uh, potentially give to kids. Now, I don't mean a kids book, but I mean a book that that was accessible. Um, and we started talking, and then I was like, "And I love." To bring back Doctor Tomorrow because it's a great title. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know why, but the, just the, the words Doctor Tomorrow just make my heart happy. Uh, and he was he looked at me and he goes, "Dude, what about this?" And he <laughs> put together a rough pitch. The next day I got like a four page email, uh, and we worked it into you know issue number one in February. Nice. Um, so you know, and I the other half of that was uh, you know. I've wanted to work with Jim Toe for a couple of years now. Um, he and I have talked at numerous shows about you know when he was going to be available, what he'd want to work on. And one of the first things he told me he wanted to work on was a book like this book. And so when it came together, he was, uh, you know, he was my first person I reached out to, and really the only person I reached out to um, to draw it. How? Uh, and the two of them just clicked. How? How? And Jim. How are you guys updating the book to now? So it's as we've done carefully and, and, and with reverence to I, I think all the books is is we have a lot of respect for what was there and we want to do a modern story. Um, so you know Alejandro has read Doctor Tomorrow Inside and Out. Um, there are little pieces that you'll find in there that are are really nice nods to what Bob did in the original. Uh, the original, if you remember, was a kind of a homage to the comic industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not a piece that we're doing here because it's just it, that's been done. We don't want to do that again. But there's a lot of pieces to it um, that are very much from from visual things to uh, a couple of the twists to uh, this is actually a happy accident. 
I had a conversation with Bob Layton at New York Comic Con, and he told me his original ending for Doctor Tomorrow. Uh, and some of what he was wanted to do in that book, we're actually doing it, in a different way, but it's a similar vibe, which, uh, you know, I got to tell Alejandro that, and he was, he was stoked. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a modern version. It's not, obviously, it's not tied to the old continuity, because none of our, no, nothing we've done has been tied to old continuity. Um, but it's with respect and, and uh, admiration for what came before. Yeah, Dr. Tomorrow is uh, is great. It's uh, extremely underrated. Uh, the other one I always bring up, it's uh, maybe not the best book, but Troublemakers I also loved uh, quite a bit. And uh, it's nice to see some of these characters that I wouldn't have expected, right? I understand mm-hmm. you guys breaking out in some of, some of the, the bench characters, but something like Dr. Tomorrow is just, I can't wait to see this. The art looks fantastic. I mean, Jim Toe is great. God, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you're excited for it because I can't wait for it to get out there. Uh, if Greg's nice, he can send you a preview copy. Yes. Check your inbox in like a half hour. Yeah, I mean... I, Jim's actually... Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, uh, Jim's actually wrapping up issue three right now, so we're, we're working nice and ahead on this one. Um, actually, as we are in all the books, which is another... That's a, that's a big piece of my... My puzzle, as it were, my, as of my day-to-day here is, uh, uh, you know, managing our overall uh, schedule and, and pushing to get ahead. Um, so, you know, we're ahead on nearly every book that we're doing to such a point that uh, we actually got to take a week off last week. It was great. That's nice. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, yeah. We actually have to, it was, it was, we actually got to take a break over Thanksgiving. The whole company did because we were so far ahead across the board. It was uh, it was really nice to actually take those couple of days and, and just relax. Yeah, that's got to feel good. That's got to feel good. Uh, how are you guys going to be connecting Dr. Tomorrow into the mainline universe? Uh, or or is that going to happen? I mean, I assume so based on the preview images oh, yeah. that I saw. From uh, from the opening scene to the last page of issue one, uh, you'll, you'll, it's, it's all there. Very good. Uh, it's a book that... Uh, uh, being very careful with talking about the story per se, just because of spoilers, because there's a couple of big twists that uh, we just don't want people to figure out. Um, but yeah, you'll see it's connected to the universe from from page one to page twenty. I uh, I feel that way right now with uh, the visitor, which I think comes out next week, right? Yeah, I believe it's next week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Greg knows this. I'm uh, so I said Exo is my favorite character. That is true, uh, but my second one is mm-hmm. the visitor. And uh, I okay. can never explain to anyone why. Uh, but there was something about that series that I just really loved. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I've read it since then. So it's not like, uh, you know, nostalgia per se. Uh, I've read it since then many times. And uh, and I still love it. And and with The Visitor, like, I'm, I'm avoiding everything. Like, I'm not going to read Good. preview copies. I'm not even looking at, like, okay. previews or anything like that. Um just oh, because I want, I want to, I want to know the, I want the mystery to unfold as I read it. You know what I mean? Uh, just because it's got a special yeah. place in my heart. Oh, that's great. And Paul is uh, weaving a really good mystery. Uh, MJ Kim is an incredible talent. Um, so having her on this book has been just a, just a joy. The pages are just beautiful. Yeah, um, I can't wait. She's she's just amazing. And then. She's local, uh, as is Paul, so they actually get to go, go to out together and do, like, reference photo shoots and stuff um, to, to make sure that we're actually portraying real New York City, which is really cool. Very nice. All right, so I guess the next one, then, is Quantum and Woody uh, coming up uh, mm-hmm. immediately after Dr. Tomorrow, right? 
Yes. Uh, right before. Right before, right before. That's right. Uh, right before. So you guys have done several different iterations of Quantum and Woody over the years. Um, brand new team. Hilarious team. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Brown is one of my favorite artists. God Hate Astronauts is just incredible. Um, so I yeah. can't wait to see what these guys have in store. How is this book yeah. different from everything else? Oh, that's a great, uh, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's doing something that, that we're doing a bunch of things with it, but, uh, so I'm trying to figure out how to, the best way to phrase this. Um, <laughs> so first and foremost, foremost, you're, you're absolutely correct. It is hilarious. Uh, and it's a different tone of humor. You know, James ha- has a very, uh, very specific humor. Um, Daniel Kibblesmith has a very different humor than, than James. Um, the thing we're really building on and then diving into more than we have in the past uh, and this is not a this, this is a good thing, not a knock on anyone. Uh, is we're really exploring the family element in a level to a degree and to a level that we haven't before, uh, and we're really kind of forcing Quantum and Woody to level themselves up uh, and to maybe not be the world's worst superheroes, but at least be mediocre superheroes. Um, and then it's just you know the arts. Zane, Ryan's incredible. Uh, Hastings' first script, literally, I did a spit take while reading it at my desk. Um, <laughs> like, no joke, it's that funny. Uh, and it's clever. Uh, I was looking at pages with Heather yesterday, and Ryan, uh, you know, he does a lot of, of not just the, what's drawn on the page, but he does a lot of little visual gags in the background. Mm-hmm. And there's some of them that are they're just they're so funny and they're so subtle. Uh, so it's really building on everything that's come before um, in a really fun way, as well as leveling the characters up into a place they've not been yet. I gotta, I, I gotta give props to anybody that works on a a humorous comic uh, or anything that's humorous, uh, because that is, it's really hard uh, to hit the audience at the right place. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm generally not it's a big fan of comedy time. book. Okay, what was that? I said writing writing humor is one of the hardest things. I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, I'm I'm not huge into comedy books, um, and I remember reading the first few issues of Quantum and Woody uh, with James. and And I talked to James. He's a great guy and he's a great writer. And the book was great, uh, but at the time it didn't feel like the book for me um, until okay. uh, I, whenever the the Valiant Size Quantum and Woody book came out. Um, I read okay, that, yeah, that yeah. one shot and, uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm finally in on Quantum and Woody. Uh, cause to me, Quantum and Woody was still what we had previously, right? And, and this was a very different run, uh, that James was working on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, with this team, sure. holy moly. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, that one shot was a really fun way for us to kind of put those characters in a different, a different view for, for readers. Um, we got different readers than we would have without that, so. Always nice to hear that it worked. Yeah. Um, I remember Alejandro, Alejandro actually worked on that as the editor. That's uh, right. So the 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 fun thing with this quantum movie is is like I'm repeating myself, but it's it's building on what we've done, but we're also going to be able to bring in new readers uh, and get a whole new take on the characters. Very good. So I know you probably can't talk much beyond what's been released for uh, February. I guess it's this list we have, uh, but you did hint well, that February I might. You, you hinted that I might be pretty happy uh, come April, May. Uh, so mm-hmm. g- give us uh, give us some teases as to 
what 2020 holds for Valiant. So yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, just to circle back to your your other favorite character, Exo will be coming. Will be back in March. Yes, uh, can't wait. Uh, so that yeah, it's it's exciting. We're really excited. In fact, I just I just gave notes this morning on uh, the first lettering proof of number one. So um, the team's working past that. We're we're really honing in on the, the lettering right now. Um, the April is a brand new title. Uh, that's something unlike anything we've done. Um, that has some horror elements. Uh, May is a straight horror book uh, that you're going to be very excited about. Um, you know, later in the year we've got Savage up and running. Um, in fact, the first issue is being worked on now. Uh, we haven't announced it yet, but we're working on a Savage book. We're also working on a on a second Savage project for later in the year. Um, Harbinger is coming later in the year. Ninjak will be in the, in 2020. Um, and a whole bunch of other people, you know, a whole bunch of, there's a couple other new things as well as some, um, some old favorites coming back on the board. Very nice. I, uh, we, we actually, I talked to, uh, Josh Dysart, uh, last week or two weeks ago. And, uh, I'm, I'm okay. very curious about, uh, how Harbinger will go moving forward. Um, uh, just on kind of based on where he left that side of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, obviously I'm not going to ask you about it now. Uh, I don't want Greg to, okay. uh, shoot me. On record, but uh, or me, or, or you. I would only shoot Robert. <laughs> but uh, but I, I know a lot of people are excited uh, for for that. I think uh, I think Harbinger has has really hit a chord with people for for decades now, really. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's always going to be, I think, maybe one of the the tougher properties to uh, please the largest amount of folks. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, it's part of the reason we've kind of kept it off the board for as long as we have is to, to get a take on it that, uh, that'll be new, uh, that will still have all those elements that we love about Harbinger. Very good. Uh, that's all the questions I've got. I want to thank you for your time. Yeah. Awesome, man. It's been fun. Yeah. You're the best. uh, Thanks for coming on, uh, you know, short notice too. So appreciate it. Oh, dude, Greg knows, uh, I, I do whatever I can within the 24 hour notice. (laughs) Great. All right, Robert. Thanks a lot for your time. Martin, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks again to Robert for joining the show this week. And, of course, to Greg for setting up the interview. Greg's the best. Greg, i got to send you a Christmas present. Of course, if you want to get in touch with us, Twitter is the best place. Duan is at Collect Valiant. Travis is at The Great Magnet. I'm a Geekvine. The show is at Valiant underscore Central. Thank you for listening. Catch you on the next one.